This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's a fact that Jesus was crucified. Pontius Pilate condemned him to death. And the Romans were really, really good at killing people. They were very effective. It's a fact. He, he, he's, he, he, was, he was dead. It was game over. We should not be talking about him today anymore. It should have been the end of the story. But today, across the earth, a billion plus people are celebrating this Jew from, from Nazareth. And you have to think about this, you know, like, you know, either, either Jesus was delusional, this 33-year-old man going around proclaiming before Abraham was, I am. You know, so I'm, I just imagine the religious leaders being offended with him, like, who's this little twerp? Who does he think he is? This charlatan, this joke, this fake. We're going to show him. We're going to show them. He, he, he spoke a lot of rubbish. So we're going we're gonna to take him out. And then it wasn't the end. Something happened. Something significant happened on the third day. Because Jesus said, I will die at the hands of sinners. But he said, on the third day, I will rise. And the Romans knew it and the religious leaders knew it. And that's why they put all the soldiers there at the tomb. They were like, we're not going to allow the charlatan to fake his resurrection. I mean, they set everything up to prove that it's not. And yet, something massive happened. You know, if, if Jesus isn't risen, we can all go home now. If Jesus isn't risen, then it's just a, you know, a cruel joke. And there's no hope for eternity. There's no hope for the future. This life is all we have. But the good news is, He is risen. He is risen. And in the way that He is risen, I believe that He wants every one of us to experience that same resurrection life. One day, when... All those who are dead are risen before God. But I believe God wants to release resurrection life today over our hearts, over our minds, over our physical bodies, over our marriages, over every part of our being. Because that's the good news. The good news is we're not just embracing a nice historical story. He is risen, meaning He's still working today. He's still moving today. He's still Radically changing lives today. And you can partake of it. You and I can partake of that. You can experience the resurrection life of Jesus Christ if you would simply put your trust in Him. For your spiritual salvation, but also for your marriage, for your children, every part of your being. So this morning I've asked a few people to come and share their stories with you of resurrection life that has flown into their lives, into their marriage, into their family. I want to stir, we want to really stir your faith to show you Jesus is alive. Amen. Come on and say it. Jesus is alive. Amen. There's no one like him. Jesus stands out from the crowd. Wasn't just a good man, wasn't just a prophet, wasn't just a holy man. 
He claimed to be God. And our, our evidence for this thing being real, there's a whole lot of evidences I can give you, but the main one is this. Eyewitnesses. Eyewitness accounts. People saw, more than 500 people saw Jesus after his, he was risen from the dead. 500 saw him ascended into heaven. So if we had a court case today, did something really happen? Eyewitness number one. Sir, what did you see? Yeah, no, he was alive, man. I touched him. Okay, eyewitness number two. Eyewitness number three. Eyewitness number four. It's going to be a very, very long court case. You see, our, our faith is not based on fairy tales and nice stories. Our faith is based on fact. But more than fact, the truth. So I want to take you to this powerful verse, Matthew 28. This is the, the first day, the day that Jesus was risen from the dead. It says, Matthew 28 verse 1, it says, they, Now after the Sabbath, which was the Saturday, as the first day of the week, Sunday, began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So they knew he was dead. They were there when he was at the cross. They were there when they took him down. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards, the Roman guards, they shook for fear of him and became like dead men. This is powerful. It's better than Marvel Comics. The real deal. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. That is powerful. He is not here for he is risen. You will not find him in the tomb. For he is risen. As he said. He said. I will die. But I will take up my own life again. And then he says. Come. See. That place. The place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples. That he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you. Into Galilee. And there you will see. Come on say see. See him. Behold I have told you. He's not here. He is risen. See where he lay. Go and tell them for you will see him. Eyewitness accounts. Our calendar is 2019. After Christ. Something massive happened. Less than 2,000 years ago. Something huge happened. He is risen. It's been said that the, his resurrection is the ultimate demonstration of his uniqueness. Go compare with every other religion. Every other so-called religion. Jesus stands out from the crowd. There is no competition. There is no one, not, not one of the main religions where someone claimed to be God and then died because of love, and then was risen from the grave. There is no competition. The resurrection of Christ 
speaks of a release of hope in utter hopelessness. A release of hope in utter hopelessness. Let me sketch it to you. These disciples walked with Jesus for about three years. He's the Messiah. He's the one. He's going to deliver Israel from their oppressors. He is the one. Look at the miracles he's doing. He's feeding thousands. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's setting people free from darkness on their souls. He's the one. He's the coming one. He is the one. And they were part of it. And they were suddenly these nobodies from Galilee were somebodies. They were part of this move of God that will bring change to Israel and to the world. I mean, I can just imagine the excitement amongst the disciples, Peter, James, John, and the rest. They were like, we're on the cutting edge. We're bringing change. And then what happens? They deny him. Robbers come. Guys, these, these, these soldiers come. And, and, and Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And they all are terrified, the rest, and they flee. Peter denies Christ three times, and they are there, and they're still hoping something's going to change. Something's going to change. Surely, surely they can't kill him. And then he dies, and he breathes his last. Can you imagine from that point, that in-between season, from his death until Sunday morning, the hopelessness. The despair. Okay, so we are nobodies. There is no future for us. We were, we were wrong. We were deceived. What were we thinking? Did we actually, could we be so naive to believe that He was the Messiah, the Son of God? You see, the resurrection is the release of hope in the midst of utter hopelessness. And that is the message that I believe is available for every one of us today. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever utter hopelessness you are facing, there is hope. Come on, let's say it. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. You see, many run from God and from Jesus. And you know, I meet these people every now and again, and I, and I remember I was the same. Because I didn't understand. You see, I think Kerry shared this with me. It's so powerful. The, the, what, you know what dead religion is? It is like an immunization shot from the real deal. When you've tasted dead religion, you get immunized from the real deal. So when you hear Jesus, you're like, ah, you know, you want to run the other way. I've, I've tried that religion thing. It doesn't work. It's just pain and disappointment. And I understand that. But the real deal, when you've tasted the real deal, Jesus Christ, you will only run one way to Him. When you've tasted the real deal. Because He is hope in hopelessness. He is light where there is darkness. He is freedom where there is addiction and bondage. He is life. Run to Him. You know, but in this, in our world, there's this assault on our thinking, our thoughts, and we start to doubt, is this real? This is really real. It's real. He is risen. What are the implications of the resurrection of Christ for us? Two things. The implication is that Jesus is truly who he said he is. 
It's evidence. He's risen. He is God who became flesh, who came to die for the sins of mankind. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It is undeniable. And then secondly, the implications of the resurrection is it reveals God's all-conquering power that is available to us right now. Reveals God's all-conquering power that is available to us in every area of your life. The darkest, deepest, darkest parts of your life right now. Jesus' resurrection life can flow in there now. Because there is a, He is the King like no other. So I want to show us a video clip just to stand in awe of this King. He stands out from the crowd. There's nobody like Him. Nobody like Him. Let's play. No other king could vanquish the warhorse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. glory, son of the living God, not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for, the one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, Savior of the world, and substitute for our sins. More loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious Savior. There is no other king like him. There is no other king. Do you want to just stand in awe of this wondrous king? You see, often another question is asked. Can good overcome evil? Can good triumph over evil? You know, if you look at Good Friday, the crucifixion, you see evil triumphing over good. You see an innocent, blameless man being killed, murdered 
mocked. And your response would be, this is wrong. Have you ever felt like evil is triumphing over good? You know, sometimes when we look at our, our, our country, you know, even in the same, the same way, we look at 1994 and we're like, wow, God, you did this beautiful thing. We, this, this beautiful, peaceful transition instead of a, a, a mass slaughter, a revolution. God, thank you, God, you're so faithful. Lord, we are an example to the nations of, of a people that can forgive and be reconciled. But these days you wonder, Lord, we're going down. It feels like it's getting worse. It feels like, God, that evil is triumphing over good again and again. Is there no justice? But then we have the good news. Sunday morning. Resurrection. To prove to you and me that good will ultimately always triumph over evil. Come on, that must stir faith on the inside of you. Ultimately, if not in this life, in the next, there will be justice. But even in this season, in this era of our lives, I believe God is still working mighty miracles. He wants to release His resurrection life into our communities, into our homes, into our nation. I believe good will still overcome evil. And we see this with the resurrection. Injustice at first, and then life. Come on, let's say it. Good will overcome evil. Amen. You need to believe it. Otherwise, you are just like every other unbeliever in this land. Because they don't expect good to overcome evil. What makes us different? We have faith in the living God who is risen. I declare it over our land that good will overcome evil. Amen. In East London, good will overcome evil. I proclaim it over every one of us that you will rise. Over whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're battling with, when you put your trust in Jesus in that area of your life, life will flow forth. And so we see this with the, with the, with the journey of Abraham. He was an old man already when God appeared to him and God said to him, I'm, Abram, come outside, come outside, outside the tent. Abram, come, I want to show you something. It was at night. And he said to him, Abram, look up, stars. So will I make your offspring. The nations of the earth will be blessed, Abram, in you. And so Abram, I can just imagine, I'm like, wow, I'm in. I'm dreaming with you, God. It's going to be good. You're going to do this because you're God. Your word will stand. And then, nothing for years. Nothing for years upon years upon years. And at the age of 99, God comes to Abram again. And he speaks to him again. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless you. And everyone's like, uh, God, we are really old. Must I explain to you how these things work? <laughs> We're not having any children. This is impossible. Impossible. But God spoke. And the same resurrection life that raised Christ from the dead flowed into Abram and Sarah's bodies. And Isaac was conceived. And the nations of the earth were blessed. Look at this verse. Romans 4 verse 17 it says, 
As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Do you know when God spoke this? Before there was any conception, before there was any child, it was just, I have made you. You see, God dwells in a different dimension. He dwells on another level. He speaks into being and it shall be. And he said, I have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed. Whom he believed. He trusted in God despite everything that his physical eyes told him to see. He looked higher. I want to call you this morning to look higher. You might be in that in-between the crucifixion. You might be in the in-between between the before the resurrection. You might be in that, in that season where there is like the smell of death is in the air. It looks hopeless. But God. Resurrection life comes forth. And Jesus is risen. And he says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God who gives life to the dead. In other words, he gives life to dead places of our lives and even life to the dead. This is who our God is. Resurrection life that brings new life. In the same way, he is the one that calls things that do not exist into being. And so right now, God has a good word over your life. I believe the word that he's speaking is, you will rise. You will rise above whatever you're facing. You will rise above despair. You will rise above hopelessness. You will rise above sickness. You will rise above a broken marriage. You will rise above if you put your trust in him. Amen. In every area of your life, you need to trust in him. Because when you trust in Him, then resurrection life flows there. If there's no trust, God can still do a miracle, but uh, it's a little bit harder. He calls those things which do not exist as though they do. So I want to ask this three people that are going to share with us a bit of their story. And I'm trusting that as they share their story, that it will release life into your being. So the first one I want to ask Ruan to come. Ruan, where are you, brother? Come, brother. Give him a hand. So Ruan was a provincial rugby player, and he's going to quickly share a little bit about his marriage and what God has done in their lives. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, guys. So Andrew asked me to share a bit about um, my marriage and what's happened in the last year or well, Six months of, of my life and uh, my wife's life. Um, so Benita and I, we've been married for just over a year now. We've known each other for four, four years. We have a daughter who's almost two now. Um, her name is Minka. Um, we lived in Johannesburg for about three years, and uh, we were living this flesh-based life where we basically were just chasing career, chasing the world, chasing the flesh. And... Um, Due to all those things, we weren't grounded in Jesus, and Jesus' voice just got softer and softer in our, in our lives, and eventually you're just living on the world and in the flesh. And due to this, obviously, we started, um, small things became big things in our relationship, and we started fighting, and this fighting just basically broke us down. Physically, emotionally, we were just breaking each other down. 
And I remember one day actually coming home, well, leaving work and not actually wanting to go home because of the fighting and, and the breaking down that was happening at home. And with time, anxiety, worry, and stress started creeping in. And uh, there were nights where I would lie in bed and I would just feel this like pressing on my chest. I wouldn't be able to breathe from all the stress and the anxiety. And we were just in a place where we were hurting everybody in our lives. We were hurting our family. We were hurting each other. We were hurting our daughter. And uh, we weren't in a good space. We were a place of hopelessness. And uh, I just want to share a scripture, Romans 7 verse 5. For while we were living in flesh, our sinful passion aroused the law. Uh, by the law, we're at work in our life to bear fruits of death. So we were on our way to death and destruction. And we didn't know where to go. Our minds and marriage were a spiritual garden and were just sown with toxic seeds. So we were just throwing these toxic seeds and everything that was happening in our life was just being strangled by these toxic seeds. And um, so we had nowhere else to go. And then on the day before, uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we decided to come to church. And uh, it was a sign outside. It was like, church will be on Christmas Day and Monday. So we were like, no, we're missing it. So we came back and Christmas Day, our resurrection happened. So we came to Shofar. And uh, we sat at the top over there, and uh, Andre did an altar call, and my wife came down, and she gave her life to the Lord. And uh, uh, they always speak about life groups, so we thought, okay, well, it would be cool, let's join a life group. And our resurrection slowly started happening. And as we drew closer to, to Jesus and God, we started, um, we started fellowshipping and getting to know people, and uh, yeah, we basically started moving closer to Jesus. And then Corey Durant also had a message the one Sunday, and he helps a lot with marriages. So we thought, well, let's go see Corey, you know. So these were all steps that started helping us getting better in our marriage and, and, and moving closer to God. And um, we, we, encounter, we did encounter one, and we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then I attended the men's camp from the 9th to the 11th of March, where my breakthrough happened. And I was so, so excited to come through, um, come back home and share what I had encountered with, with my wife. And... Uh, I shared my story with her, and she just could see this change in me, this light in me. And that was the love of Jesus who had entered me, the Holy Spirit that was living inside of me. And uh, on the 13th of March, Benita and I were baptized at our life group. And we that, that symbol of like dying to yourself and being risen up as a new creation. Um, so basically, what we've learned is just to be grounded in God's Word and not to be grounded in things of the flesh and of the world. And the closer you are to God, the closer you are to each other. And that's just the message I want to leave with you guys this morning. Um, we've been so blessed, and um, thank you for this opportunity that I could share with the church this morning. Amen. So I, I bumped into them at the mall the one day, and I remember Benita saying that last year saw that she hated him. Hated him. And it was such a powerful picture of hopelessness, standing on the edge of divorce, uh, I think they went back to home to their parents, and their parents were like, who are you guys? You have changed so radically since turning to Jesus and then walking this path. So if a provincial rugby player needs Jesus, <laughs> I think all of us needs Jesus, wouldn't you say? But I, I, their story, I, want, I wanted to release that over every marriage here. Doesn't matter where you find yourself, the Lord wants to release life over your marriage. He wants to release life to your hearts to forgive, to apologize, 
to try again, to not give up, to not walk away, to not allow the hopeless thoughts to overwhelm you, but to look at who Jesus is and to say, we will arise. It doesn't look good. It looks terrible. Whoa, nog a pan my kop. But honey, we're going to arise. We're going to make it. We're going to come through this. Don't give up. Just don't give up. If the disciples gave up after the crucifixion and walked away, we would not be here today. Don't give up because resurrection is coming. He is risen. And so he wants to see you arise as well. So another area that we want to, I want to touch on, ask Erlen to come and share, is the area, area of our children. And just people that we are trusting the Lord for to come to Christ, to have an encounter with Jesus. And uh, the Lord is doing some beautiful things in Erlen's life. And the whole family, there's amazing things happening now. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Good morning. My name is Erlen. My beautiful wife at the back there is Kim. And between the two of us, uh, second marriage, but um, we we have five children. And... um, We've, we've brought them, we've been married 14 years, and we've, we've brought them up every Sunday. We're at church, we're at Sunday school, um, and we've, we've done everything that we know possible um, to make sure that our children are, are grounded in, in God's Word and, and just um, that they're going to keep on following Him. But they all grow up sometimes, thankfully. Um, and they leave home also sometimes, thankfully. And uh, so as we stand now, um, we've got a, they range from 27 years old to 21 years old, and they've all left home. And it's amazing how once they've left home, they believe that maybe they don't, they can just skip a service, they can skip getting involved, they can skip being involved in a in a life in a small group on a Wednesday, um, and and so we just continually pray for our children, and um, so sort of leapfrogging a bit the beginning of this year, um, people keep on telling me to act my age, but I don't always listen, and I damage my back quite severely, and it. Uh, at one stage, for a couple of hours after I'd done it, this terrifying thought of being paralyzed for the rest of my life was, was so real. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I didn't want to move my arms because of the pain that it, what it did in my back. And um, about eight weeks later, um, after really battling, 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 um, God did an amazing thing. First of all, I was, I was up here and, and the guys were praying for me, Andre and, and leaders, and um, my back just wasn't getting healed. It was actually getting worse. Um, as I stood here, I was just in more and more pain. And then one of the guys brought a word and said, um, do you need to forgive? Do you... Um, do you, are you harboring unforgiveness? Um, and then I realized that, that God actually um, was convicting me of 
stuff that I'd spoken over my own life. Um, I, I needed to ask him for forgiveness. I needed to forgive myself for many different things. And God, after I'd done that, Andre said to me, uh, test your back. And I was too scared because suddenly I realized that maybe, dang, um, my back feels good right now. If I move, I'm going to be sore. But anyway, God had healed my back, and my back is fine. Um, I, it's, it's amazing. Um, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm still careful. I don't want to redo, uh, re-break anything, but um, I have no pain, and I give the Lord all the glory for that. But so then, then it was coming up to men's camp, and um, we were being challenged to to invite people. And I'm inviting people, inviting people. And the Lord said to me, "What about your sons?" And I'm thinking, "Oh Lord, let me choose somebody easy. Um, you know, let me let me I'll invite anybody." But anyway, so the the Probably the toughest one is Regan. He's, he's the middle one. Um, and he, he's straightforward. He just says, no, Dad. That's it. So I invited him. And he said, yes. And I was like, okay. And I was absolutely stunned. And then I thought, well, let me invite Brent from PE. Now, he's, he's an ex-rugby player as well. And he's, a, he's much bigger than me. And he's just... And I thought, let me invite him. And he said, yes. And I thought, oh, my word. So I said to Kim, well, Daniel, who's doing a diving instructing course in, in Sodwana Bay up near Mozambique, um, let me invite him. And he said, yes. So suddenly there was four hotel bills to pay and all sorts of things. But um, God miraculously provided for that too. But... Um, at the camp, um, starting with Daniel, Daniel being starting at 4 o'clock in the morning so that they're on the beach by 5, so that they're diving by 6, all this type of thing, they don't eat properly. Um, and he, de- he developed an ulcer. He's just turned 21, and he had an ulcer in which he was, he was properly sick. Um, and... Um, but he was so keen, and he came down a couple of days before, and uh, he, he just kept saying, I'm so looking forward to this camp. I'm so looking forward to this camp. And um, on the Saturday morning, Slim prayed for him. And, well, I think on the, on the Friday night, he recommitted his life. And on Saturday morning, Slim prayed for him, and it healed, God healed his ulcer. And the reason why I know that is because once we'd finished with the prayer meeting, he said to me, Uncle Ellen, can we, can we get back to the hotel? I'm hungry. Now, he, hadn't, he hasn't said that in ages because he didn't want to eat. Um, and he's been trying to make up for it ever since. Um, yeah. Um, Brent also uh, made a recommitment um, on, at, at men's camp. Um, and Regan, the tough one, is he, he admitted that he's never cried so much in his life that he has at men's camp. And I believe that God's still going to, going to work in him. But I just wanted to encourage you that, you know, with my own personal, my own back, and um, my own um, 
feeling of hopelessness in, in just being injured and not being able to be as active as I'd like um, to, to God healing me. And the, the hopelessness that you feel that when your children leave home and they don't seem to be wanting to follow the Lord like you really wish and hope they do. Um, sorry, I forget one. Tyler. Tyler's in Cape Town. And Tyler has been, um, has, has sort of got involved with, with so far, I think it's Rondebosch in, in Cape Town. And um, uh, just recently as well, she has um, she stepped out. She's got involved with the dance ministry. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, she phoned Kim all excitedly because she actually stepped out. She believed she had a word for, for somebody and, or two people, I think, and um, she went up and, and gave them that word. And so God is mightily using her as well. So um, I just want to give the Lord all the praise and the glory from sometimes when we look at it humanly speaking, uh, things just aren't right. Um, but when we give it all to God and we trust Him implicitly, He is wonderfully able to, to move even the toughest of nuts. Thank you so much. Amen. And he forgot to say about his other, his youngest daughter, Lindsay. The week after his back was healed the following Sunday, she committed her life to Christ for the first time in Mossel Bay. And so the Lord has been mightily at work. So we want to encourage you. What doesn't matter what things look like, God can. I want to read this Romans 8, verse 11. But it says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So I want to encourage you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living, dwelling on the inside of every believer in this house, and we can release that resurrection life to others, to our children to turn to Christ, to our marriages to be restored and healed. And then the last one, I want to um, ask Steve Bruce to come and quickly share about his son. His son James is playing rugby for the Sharks. He actually had the same injury that um, Erlen's son Brent had on his knee. And Brent, yeah, anyway, so come. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Andre. Greetings. My message would be the following. A physical healing is an encounter with the living God and your life is transformed. I just want to read in Psalm 145. It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I'll praise your name forever and ever. Every day I'll praise you. And extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. So that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Um, so God is able to bring life to dead places. My son James had a dream to be a provincial rugby player. And that he, he had that dream from when he was a young boy. And he was living the dream until in July last year at a practice match, he got injured and he tore his ACL. Um, he then had to undergo an operation. Um, there was nine months rehabilitation. And um, he thought his dream was shattered. But Lynn and I kept saying to him that God has a plan in his life 
we kept on quoting the word of God, Jeremiah 29, 11, and he must not give up on his dream. For Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We kept on, prom- we kept on standing upon that word for James's life. Um, God made a way for James to come to the men's camp. Um, he had to ask special permission from his coach to be released to come to the men's camp. And he was so excited to come uh, to the men's camp. In fact, Daniel um, stayed the night before uh, with James before they both came to the men's camp. Um, at the men's camp, his knee was physically healed. Uh, Alan gave a word, had a word of knowledge for a left knee that was sore. And James came up. Um, <laughs> he was he, Unbeknown to me, I actually didn't realize that his knee wasn't, wasn't 100% healed. He couldn't do a squat and when he did do a squat, he had incredible pain in his left knee, despite the fact that he's been on all these machines at the, at the rehab center, his knee wasn't 100% healed. And his coaches were, were keep on delaying his progress, I mean his recovery back into, into the system. Um, so Alan had a word of knowledge for somebody with a pain in the left knee. Um, so James came forward and supernaturally he was healed. And when Andre asked him to test his healing afterwards, um, he would go, we were able to go down and squat with no pain. And uh, we give praise to God. Uh, I, I didn't realize that, that he, could, that he had pain. Um, but while, whilst Andre was praying for him, the Holy Spirit showed this to James, and he shared it with us in our, in our uh, time afterwards in our room. And he said that the Holy Spirit showed him that his identity, James's identity, was in rugby. But God has given him a new identity in Jesus Christ. And he needs to realize that Christ is in his life and not rugby. And the most important thing is, is Jesus in his life and not his identity in the sport that he's playing. Um, and so he went back to, to Durban and uh, he went on all these tests. And before he came on the, he, he was sharing this with me a few days ago, before he came to the men's camp, the machine that tests the right and the left leg was like 19 versus 11 or 19 versus 10. And that means the 19 was the weak knee. But after he came back to the camp, the measurement is now 11 and 10. So he's going to be playing rugby in three weeks' time, and he's going to be back in the system, and we give God all the glory. Amen. Amen. I wanted Steve to share that because this young man's dream was shattered, but God. And I believe there are some of us here, your dreams have been shattered. Your hopes have been dashed. You've, you've given up on certain things in your life. And I believe God wants to release new life to your dead dreams. Amen. He wants to release life to your, to, into those areas of hopelessness. You see, every story that we shared is evidence that Jesus is alive. He is risen. And he's through his Holy Spirit, he is working in our lives. And he wants to work in your life, but he wants to unlock faith. And even like um, Steve shared with James, he realized that Jesus must be first. Many of us, maybe some of us, Jesus is second or third or fourth. It doesn't work like that. You're not going to know life in abundance. You're just going to know dead religion. So I want us to have communion now. And as if the ushers can hand out the communion to celebrate what the Lord has Easter and celebrate his resurrection. And then after that, we want to pray for some people. We want to pray that God would come 
and restore marriages and come and restore lives and even heal people physically. So uh, Angus Bucken was at our chauffeur Stellenbosch church about a week or two ago. And one of us, our pastor there, see us, he posted on our pastor's group. And he said there was a young man, 15 year, years old. He was, he's been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, they were about to do operations, further operations and things. And uh, Uncle Angus prayed for him. And uh, they went to the doctors and they did tests and they did more tests. And they did more tests because they couldn't understand the results. And then he was completely Completely cancer-free. All the cancer disappeared off his body. Amen. Jesus is alive. I have personally prayed twice for people who cancer disappeared off their bodies. The one was terminal cancer. Jesus is alive. But my, the question I want to ask us while they're handing out the elements, the question I want to ask us this morning is, where are you at? Where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? Are you in that unbelieving believers thing? I sort of believe, but I, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day I will commit my life to Christ. Today is a good day. I want to put out Romans 4 verse 20. It says, he, this is Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. He said they're fully, fully convinced. Are you fully convinced of who Jesus is? Are you fully convinced that Jesus can turn your life around? Are you fully convinced that you will rise above whatever you're facing? Are you fully convinced that even though you breathe your last in this life, you will be risen from the dead? We have an eternal hope that anchors us. So the stories encourage you to know that Jesus is alive. But what can I and you, what can we do to receive resurrection life? One thing I want to highlight today, change the way you speak. Begin to agree with God's word over your life. Begin to stand on God's promises for your life and start to speak that over your life. When Lazarus was dead four days in the grave, Jesus stood outside the tomb. They removed the, the, the stone. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Come forth. The words he spoke released the resurrection life of Christ. How about you and I change our confession and we start speaking life over our marriages, over our children, over our workplace, over our country? What if we start to believe that good will overcome evil? And we start to live that out. We start to partner with God in seeing that come to pass. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life 
together.